to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. All right, so something that I never used to hear, but now I hear so often moving in the circles that we move in, is this phrase, psychological safety. I swear it was made up like a year or so ago. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, but nobody said it. Now I'm on a panel. It's not even mental well-being experts who are talking about it. It's just bosses and, and uh, tech experts and uh, physiotherapists. Everyone seems to know what psychological safety is. And everyone seems to recognize it's something that is good to have in your office. But I'm still seeing evidence that not every workplace has created this psychological safety. So we thought it was a good idea to do a deep dive into how you can create psychological safety in your workplace. And the first thing that you've got to do when you do a deep dive into something, as any good student knows, is define it. So what is psychological safety? And so lucky for me, my able comrade is a psychologist. So she can tell us exactly what psychological safety means. To be fair, I don't need to be a psychologist to be able to define this one. But there it is. Um, it's quite simply the belief that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up with your ideas or asking questions or having concerns or making mistakes. Okay, so that's the so that means psychological safety can happen in a family, group of friends, that. But we're talking about psychological safety at work, right? So in particular, it'd be the shared belief held by the members of that team or that organization, right, that a team member will not be embarrassed, will not be rejected, and they will not be punished for being themselves or for speaking up. So it's a well-established driver for high quality decision making, healthy group dynamics, interpersonal relationship, greater innovation, all of that stuff that we believe in, all the good stuff about what makes employees work engaged within an organization. However, this is not an easy thing to do and the way and I agree with you and guys it's like all of a sudden everybody's saying it like it's a another tick box thing. Yeah. You can't create psychological say that takes time, it takes effort it's not actually a destination you don't get to it it's a journey just like trust just like in any relationship it doesn't just it's not just there it's it gets to work constantly so that's what i wanted to share mm. so that we're all clear on it i think a lot of people know about that it did so do you have an organization in a team where somebody is not walking around thinking no i can't i'm not going to be able to say that because i'll get embarrassed Someone's going to try and say something. They put me out like a troublemaker. Can you honestly say that every single person in your organization doesn't think that? It's mm. not possible. So people are people, right? So we're not trying to make sure this 100% psychological safe circle that doesn't get broken. How that would be the doing? ideal. That would be ideal. Now, from now, I, I replace the word psychological safety with that T word, trust, because people can understand that. They can understand that trust is easy to break and hard to earn. 
they can understand that what makes me trust you is different mm-hmm. from what makes the other colleague trust you. They understand that you may have trust within one team, yeah. but not in every team. Yeah. Or there may be trust between individuals in a team, but not the wider team. Yeah. So, so I think if you are struggling to really understand on a pragmatic level why it's so hard to create psychological safety, just think about it as trust. Yeah. And then, and trust. that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Would. So the first thing I'm going to say, because the question for this we're discussing how to foster it. So how do you do it at work? The first thing is the psychological safety always start from the top is the leadership thing your employees on a team cannot create it without their manager helping them create it they could but they'll get overridden by manager one day right so let's just want to say that and one of the key things that we're talking about was this reminded me of this book Simon Sinek wrote a book called Leaders Eat Laughed and what I've loved about it, he'd version of psychological safety with something called circle of safety, which I thought, oh, like, because I think people can see the circle and you know when it's broken and when it's not complete, right? So mm-hmm. I quite like that as a, at the very least, if psychological safety needs to have a an image, then I like the image of a circle. It's very clear when it's complete, it's clear when it's broken and all of that stuff. And everybody is involved in it. It's no, there's no one power over another in that. So that's one of the key things that came up to me. It's just mm-hmm. that it's a leadership first situation. Mm-hmm. And I think in that circle of safety, we, we talk about culture. It is it is about the culture, whether that's a team culture, mm-hmm. departmental, organizational, and in fact, it's always all three. But it's that place where employees are working together, no matter which of those circles you're talking about, mm-hmm. where it's a team togetherness and people aren't one-upping each other or stabbing each other in the back trying to make Mm -hmm. you know someone else jealous or happy or whatever Mm -hmm. it 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 has to be that like that trust circle of safety yeah that where you really understand and believe in your core that you will look after each other and protect each other from the dangers that are presented outside the circle So whether that be other departments, other teams, even your clients, whoever that is, that you within the circle of safety share that level of trust and support. Yeah. And that means that your leaders, so to be able to create that circle of trust, the leaders have to set the tone. The leader of that team have to set the tone. The leader of that department had to set the tone. The leader of that whole organization had to set the tone. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Mm. That way you have many circles of trust within an organization and it's easy to be able to take one out when one is broken. So that you're not trying to change the whole organization's ethos or the whole organization's uh, culture on something. You might be changing one particular department who have struggled or there's something going on for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I wanted to say in there. And then the company, when we, I like, well, one of the reasons why I've liked the trust element of it is because we get everybody understand what trust means. We, we in, you know, intuitively get it. So trust isn't something, some instructions you just give out willy-nilly. You can't just say, trust me. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, that's not, that's not how that works, right? So you will need to show evidence that you are trustworthy. 
right? So when you say bring the whole self to work, what does that actually mean to mm. an actual individual? To a person who'd come from a previous organisation and you say, we encourage people to bring your whole self to work. Okay, except for these conditions, right? Because <laughs> there is go. always that subtext, the unwritten yes. rules. About what, exactly, because that's what psychological safety is. It's an unwritten rule. We agree that this is how we're going to treat each other, treat ourselves, bring your whole self. So you have to define what does that mean when you say mm. bring my whole self to work in my team? Are you telling me if I disagree with you, but the boss, that I can say that I disagree with you and challenge your authority? Obviously not being rude. But that let's just create a given. We have to assume that people in our team want to do their best, right? You have to assume that. And so if you assume that, you're going to say someone doesn't really agree with you, that that's okay. That you're not going to mark them down later when it comes to, I don't know, promotion day right right you're not going to do mm. that that you're not going to pit one staff for another staff for the day fight for ideas you're not going to do that you know could that what will happen is that protecting their creativity mm. and creativity doesn't really happen in its own it needs other input it needs other insight for it to come up with those things because that's what i wanted to say about that so as an organization what are you going to do about that you as a hr leader I'm including you in this as well. You get to set the tone. You mm. have you have responsibility and the authority to influence your other senior leaders as well, the CEO, CFO, all of them, right? I think it's a big thing, though, this question of what do we mean when we say bring, our, bring your whole self to work? Because I hear it as well, it's banded a lot, about a lot. I'm guilty of having said, it in in yeah. in explanation of what psychological safety means, and I know it's a almost twee expression, but it's a it's really the very definition. But do we mean just come to work wearing whatever you like? Does your company actually support that? If my whole self is a whips and chains kind of girl, can I bring that to the workplace? Mm-hmm. Well, no. There's certain levels. So it's understanding and I think making explicit what those uh, conditions are. And then it's saying to people, these are those unwritten rules. These are the, This is what we mean by your whole self. These are our expectations. Are you able to meet them? And do you feel comfortable working within those parameters? Do you still feel like you can be the best version of you within those parameters. So to me, it, it, when we talk about how do you do it, it's about making the implicit explicit, making sure you've got um, a degree of consensus, at least at a senior level, as yeah. to what your culture as an organization should be, yeah. how it should look how it should feel from the inside and look to the outside. Here are the behaviours we consider acceptable. And then from that point that it's defined, communicating that as frequently as you need to so that everybody understands what is and isn't acceptable and then making sure that behaviour that is not acceptable isn't tolerated and behavior that is acceptable gets rewarded so that it becomes a natural state for employees. I think that's a simplistic way of looking at it. 
Yeah, I agree. I think and also empathy and inclusivity are important part of this because you need to be able to empathize with your employees and they are they're very we're all different people, right? We we what motivates us, what affects us, what reduces our productivity, they're all different. And so we need to be able to see each person at that. Which is why when we're talking about organizations, it's not a human being, right? It's an organization. It's the people who work there, people who run them, and that would include you as well as HR leaders. So to be able to be able to decide what is acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior when you said bring your whole self to work, you need to ask your employees that. Like a team, you need to ask them. When I say bring yourself to work, what does that mean to you exactly? Yeah. Let them tell you what that means. So that way, when someone said to bring my whole self to work means I'm going to bring all my, you know, sex gear to work. And like that. <laughs> then you can say, oh, hell no, that's not what we're doing. So we, we, we want them to know, you don't, you don't give them this assumption where people walk away with a phrase and think they know what it means, but actually you haven't given them parameter about what it means. So mm-hmm. I would say, just ask them, what does bring your whole self to work mean? Let, and it could be anonymous as well. You can send a whole little thing and say, just send them all the things to us about what it means. That way you can say you can see things like how my hair is is okay. That my my afro going out of my hair is my normal stuff and I want to be able to bring that to work. And you know, yeah, that's just totally acceptable. That's not that's not what we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. So all the things that people think are myself that I've been preventing from bringing to work, they need to be able to share it so that you can go, oh my god, yeah, that is totally acceptable to be able to to say that you have a son and you want to be able to drop him at football practice or stay at football while he's doing that at five o'clock. And that means you need to live slightly earlier to what's in play. That is totally acceptable to ask for. That is bringing your whole self to work. Mm. That's what I wanted to add to that. And I think the organizations who are good at who are going to spend a lot of effort trying to create the psychological safety will always reach the benefit much, much more than those who are pretending they're trying. Because at the end of the day, those leaders who would do it will be more courageous. They have to be more courageous. They're not afraid of making mistakes because they're going to learn, right? They're less self-serving, right? They're going to put people first for real. They really mean that when they say so. So that's what I wanted to add to that point there. Mm. But it's, it's that courage, like you say, it doesn't come without risk because in order to to generate that, say within a team, because that's easier for us to conceptualize. Mm. If you're the leader of a team, how do you get your employees to trust you? Well, the, the way that I always say is be vulnerable yourself. So whenever I'm delivering workshops or training, I will always start with my own story of mental ill health and I will be as graphic as I can bear about what it meant to me, not clinical, but anecdotal, so that people can see me being vulnerable because how on God's earth can I say to you, it's okay to trust me with your problems if I'm not prepared to trust you with mine? So... Mm -hmm. That, but that takes courage and people are often coming up to me saying, thank you so much for sharing, that was so brave. But I have to be in order to, to generate that kind of empathy from you guys so that you know you're safe to open up with me. It also means admitting when you've made mistakes and, uh, and being honest about it and apologising for it and trying your best not to commit them again. 
So, and that can, that's very difficult for those of us in certain leader mind mindsets who think that a leader is the one who is more like a king, infallible. Mm. Like leaders are like popes. They are without sin. And it's not, it's not the way that most people respond actually, because that makes you less approachable. Yeah. yeah. It makes me trust you less because I don't know you. I can't trust what I don't know. So, yeah, uh, that's something I think that w- leaders will have to address. How comfortable am I sharing myself? How psychologically safe do I feel within the team? Yeah. Uh, and if people, you don't feel psychologically safe to share with your team, then they don't have it either. Mm. It's a good test. But but leaders have asked me, particularly when it comes to one-to-one coaching or the leadership training, I, I can't... I haven't shared this stuff with my team. And there are times when it is not appropriate. It is not appropriate for the CEO of a company to necessarily stand up and say, I'm going through this particular crisis because the fact is the stock markets will reflect that. Mm -hmm. But there are things that you can say, like I did go through that crisis Mm -hmm. or I'm supporting people who are having issues or whatever it is you want to say. If you are leading a team, you might not want to tell them the ins and outs of your mental health challenges or your uh, personal problems or anything like that. But show that you are human and relatable. And here's the other thing. You have to find the people that you can open up to. So people at your level or above, you have to find them and be vulnerable with them. And so that you feel that level of safety. Okay, I, somebody's got my back. Now I can go and be someone else's rock. Yeah. I think also the, the thing I'm going to add, because I get this question a lot too from HR leaders, where we're like, well, to encourage the teams or managers to be open and vulnerable, isn't that opening them up for issues, tribunal issues and any of that kind of stuff? Is it going to be uncomfortable? Frankly, managers need to be, they need to be trained in what they're going to share. It's like a guy to say, can't share everything, but what they, how you can share and what you're sharing is something that they can also learn. So if I'm just saying, if you're going to offer training or create training for managers, include that. How to be vulnerable is a thing. You don't, we don't, we're not all, we don't all do it naturally, but mm. there is area in which you can share. So you can talk about past things you've come back, back out of. For managers, you can talk about the fact that actually when I had this happen to me, I'm not going to tell you the details. You can manager can say that. I'm not going to tell you the details, but I did really need counselling for it. And I got counselling from this EAP thing and I, I got a session and I to feel better for it. It could literally be as simple as that, but indicating have a problem that was similar to yours or even not similar to yours it created this emotion in me which was anxiety which was stress whatever it everybody can relate to that part that I went ahead and did something for myself to resolve it which is the EAP the therapy the medication whatever it is so that I can now start showing up for myself at work so that I can now support you guys at work that is enough information for that person to go right if he's sharing he feels safe in sharing it. Therefore, I ought to, and it's an invitation that I also mm. could share in this circle of trust with this manager. Because that's what I wanted to add to that. I like that word, an invitation. An invitation. Yeah. The other thing is, when you 
create an, a, a circle of safety. I'm just using Simon's expression. When you have psychological safety in your organization, it means that everybody who works there feels comfortable learning and growing. And when you learn and grow, if you cast your mind back to when you were younger or to those of you who parent young children or or have access to young children, you'll know one thing about learn learning is that mistakes are inevitable. How your organization handles mistakes is critical to ensure that you don't break that trust. If you have a punishment and blame culture, then people will be afraid to try. So you have to make sure that you have a culture that, yes, encourages learning because it views mistakes and failure as part of the learning journey and that there is not, there's no fear of retribution or punishment because you've done something like that. Now that's not to say that someone who flagrantly goes against company policies and puts themselves or others in harm's way shouldn't face reprimand. I'm talking about the kind of mistakes that are routinely experienced in the workplace not getting the report done right, not delivering as you would have liked to on the presentation, not yeah. not something more heinous than that. Actually, it that it just brings me to what the previous uh, organizations I worked for. So you know, we we dealt with um, we worked with you know social justice, so people who got mental health issues, addiction, homelessness, all kinds of social justice issues, and. Our biggest fear working in our team was always who's going to die next, right? And who'd watch it going to be on? Because these were, some people were not very well. And by using a drug or whatever, it was only in some cases a matter of time, right? So there was this idea where we would go to clinical meetings and you're supposed to bring in patients that you were concerned about, right? And then what we noticed, because it took a while, because after a while you start to have this so many patients, when you can't control how many patients you're getting, you know, funding and all that, it's an issue. So all of a sudden, we noticed we have clinical meetings, and I, as a manager, will, you know, you, you share a meeting, and said, okay, what's the issue? You know, who got the case that they want discussing? And nobody will raise their hand. Like, so, no one on your book you're worried about, concerned about, thinking that they're that risky that they might end, no. But you're scary. Oh, my God. But it was, there was some, I wasn't the only manager, there were a few managers managing our team, so all our five teams would be together. And then we realised what it was, a massive team. So who's going to be the one who's going to raise their hand and say, right, I've got this patient. So what will happen? We'll be like, so this is how we'll go. Oh, I've got this patient. They are, you know, they've been risky. They're drinking more alcohol or using more drugs. So basically, then someone will go, have they had a home visit? What time am I going to do? have mm. to go and do a home visit. Okay, have you given them an electron pen? Okay, well, I haven't found them to give an electron pen. Because all these little tasks start to pile on. Mm. Where it starts to look like, oh, I see, you're not even trying. So you haven't gone out of your way to go and find these people and wherever they've been hiding. <laughs> all right? And then so what do you think people did? It just meant like, okay, every time I mention I've got, uh, I'm concerned about a risky client or a patient, I get more work to do. 
I get more sh- shamed, basically, about, oh, well... All the stuff that you're, you're not, not doing. doing. All the stuff you're not doing. Mm. So what people started doing was just not saying anything. And the funny thing is, even us as manager couldn't exactly go, we were happy to go, yeah, all right then. Because also it means we're also, if there's no responsibility, then I don't have to deal with that, right? Then we realised how unsafe it was. People die when you're hiding things. So what did we have to do as a team and even as an organization that we have to assume is our collective responsibility? If a staff said, I couldn't find this patient to look after, I didn't, I did everything I could, I tried to do, I don't have enough energy or time to manage that, that it was our problem and not that particular practitioner's problem. It was ours. Who can help? Who got less in the book that can take over? Now, that's a team. That, that was has the psychological safety. A while, and I can't remember whether or not an incident had happened in between of us not talking, because it would have happened somewhere else, maybe not next day at our mm. clinic. But where organisational, we had to discuss the fear that people felt that they would be blamed mm. if a patient died or they hadn't done enough. Nobody wanted to go to tribunal, um, you know, or any of this kind of conversation or the other issue. Nobody wanted to do that. So that was one thing. That's why I wanted to mention it. But a lot of the organisation that you're working with is not life or death situation. So it's easier to be able to say it's our responsibility, mm. right? And you're not going to be called to coroner's court. That's what I'm trying to remember, coroner's court, not um, tribunal. Mm. Many of the organisations out there that we see, you're not going to be dealing with people's lives, okay? So if you're not dealing with those, you should be able to say it is our collective responsibility. If one fails, all of us do because we're going to learn from that. But that's what I wanted to share using that example. It wasn't easy, but we got there in the end. I love the quote from Peter Drucker. If you don't measure it, you can't improve it. Because yeah. it leads us to the fourth tip about yeah. how you can improve psychological safety within your team. Now, how do you measure trust? How do you quantify it? Well, you can you can review progress. For example, you can use surveys. Everybody knows how to use pulse surveys. You can ask your staff to respond to a series of statements like, if I make a mistake in, a mistake in this team, it is held against me. Rate it using the Likert scale, zero mm. to whatever. Uh, you can have any kind of, I feel comfortable coming into work dressed as I wish to dress. I feel like I can confidently talk to my manager about a number of different issues unrelated to work, those kinds of things. And if you have those kinds of survey responses, you'll be able to see how different teams operate, different departments, different demographics within your employee workforce, And the responses can help build the foundation for a discussion about the whole work environment, which can be the basis of reviewing how you manage your team, how you manage your department, how you manage your organisation. Yeah. And I think that actually, based on the fact that it's very specific questions, so the example I gave you about that clinical team, for example, I would have been asking things like, I feel comfortable bringing clinical cases to, to clinical supervision. Very specific, because it's not like they weren't sharing those with. They were sharing it outside of that clinical meeting 
by finding the manager directly and asking one on one, which means I'm comfortable sharing it one on one, but not in a group setting because I don't feel safe in that setting. So be, if you can be as specific as possible. So when you say if I make a mistake in this team, it might be the mistake that you hold you value most, like sales, for example, lots of sales or lots of a client, use that specifically to be able to gauge exactly what level of security a person feels within a team when they make an error. I wanted to be more specific about that. And another way you can help to foster psychological safety is to not assume everybody knows what it is or how to generate it and provide education. So HR and, and learning and development leaders, they they have to ensure their organizations are offering sustainable and transformational training programs on topics like inclusive leadership, communication skills, conflict resolution, and empathy, so that your managers and your leaders can help to cultivate this trust within their teams. Don't assume that everybody knows how to do it as well as you do because I, I guarantee they don't. Yeah. So that's it. Those okay. are your five okay. tips. So what are the what are the five tips? Can you recite them with us? One, start at the top. So make sure that your leaders are setting the tone to create the kind of trust uh, that is required for your employees to feel comfortable being themselves in your workplace. And don't forget to define what the parameters for that are. So second point, being vulnerable. So you as a leader have responsibility to be vulnerable to your with your employees or your team so that they feel invited to also feel vulnerable to share. That oh, that helps to create a lovely psychological safe space within that circle. Make sure you front up when you make mistakes. Don't try and sweep it under the carpet or cover it with some blanket BS statement so that it doesn't put the blame on you, be honest about your mistakes and see your mistakes, their mistakes as part of the learning journey, an inevitable uh, consequence of the desire for creativity and innovation. And four, measure your psychological safety. How safe is it? Review it, use surveys, ask specific questions or statements so that it's very unique to your team or your organization, however you want to do it, to be able to be so that it's clear what you actually have in your organization. And finally, empower your leaders, your managers to be able to create these cultures and cultivate them within their teams through training and education. Make sure that they know exactly what creating psychological safety entails, how quickly and easily it can be broken and what to do to repair it if it is. That's it. That's it. I mean, if you, I'm going to put it out there. If you're an organization out there and you're thinking, I don't really know how to build this into our organization, I wouldn't know where to start, um, then feel free to connect with us, ask a question, we're on LinkedIn, and have a meeting about how you might do this. Every organization is different, every organization is unique, so you can't quite copy and paste. So try and think about what will be unique for your organization and we're happy, me and Guy are happy to support We'll come and help you. Definitely. Not for free though. (laughs) All right. Just saying. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. 
If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues, follow us on LinkedIn, the link will be in the show notes, and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.